welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. in church, isn't it? Like David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I have a funny getting ready for church story to share with you all. How many of you guys have some funny getting ready for church stories, right? So this morning I got up extra early because I knew I was going to be preaching. And so I just wanted to make sure I had time to get myself ready before I had to get the kid ready and all that stuff. So I'm getting ready. I'm happy with how I look. I'm happy with everything. Get the kid up. Get him dressed. I have to grab our dog because we have a two-story house, and our dog is really, really old, and he can't go up and down the stairs anymore. So I have my 17-month-old in this hand and my little five-pound dog in this hand going down the stairs. I get to the bottom, and I bend down like this, and the pants just go right up. I was like, praise the Lord that happened at home and not up here today. So praise the Lord. Someone needs to start making memes that are like, you know, hashtag like Sunday morning fails of trying to get ready for church. So (laughs) praise the Lord. Well, let's open up in prayer. Can you join with me right now? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to get to come together and to receive together the anointed word. And Father God, I pray that today it would not be my words that everyone hears, but it would be your words through me, Father God. I thank you that the word has the power to change us and to help us and to set us free. And so, Lord, I thank you that that is what's going to happen this morning. In the next hour or so that we're here, Lord, I just thank you that through the word, through the fellowship after service, Lord, that our lives would be touched and would be changed. And we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and glory for what you're doing in our lives and through our lives to help other people in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen well open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3 and if you have been attending services for the last nine to ten weeks or so you should have this scripture memorized by now because pastor's been going to it every single week for the last nine weeks and so I am actually going to continue his series today so today is the tenth week of the series, The Way of Victory. So we are gonna talk about how to live in victory. And there has been so many life-changing words that have come forth in this series, and I encourage you to go back and to listen to different, because there's so many different aspects in the Word of God that shows us how we can truly live a life of victory, a life of success. It is God's desire for each and every person to walk in victory. But you know, it doesn't happen automatically. There's things that we have to do to see victory in our lives. And so here in Romans chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, destruction and misery are in their ways. So we don't want to be in the way of destruction and misery, right? It says, because the way of peace they have not known. And so we want to be in the way of peace. We don't want to be in the ways of destruction and misery. So how do we get to that place? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, pastor's been talking about it a lot. And uh, so today we're just going to continue on in another area that I believe that if we walk in this, we will not be in destruction or misery. We will be in peace and we will see victory in our lives. So today we're going to talk about living a life of honor. And I'm going to tell you this subject has been on my heart a lot this year. It has been on the heart of the staff this year. We actually read a book this year as a staff by John Bevere and it's called Honor's Reward. And it's a fantastic book. In fact, we have our leadership team now reading this here at the church. And um, it's kind of like he wrote this book for 2020. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are things in this book that you're just like, wow, he, the revelation he has on the subject of honor is so good. And it's so enlightening. And it's so powerful if you allow it to change you. So today, I'm highlighting so briefly some of the things that he talks about in this book. But I'm telling you, this is a way to see victory in our lives, is by living a life of honor. So turn in your Bibles to 2 John chapter 1. In 2 John chapter 1, we're going to see something here and apply it to this area of living in honor. Um, And while you're turning there, I want to say, I think a lot of people today are living in misery and destruction in their lives, seeing destruction in their lives, in their families, in their businesses. And it could be because of a lack of honor in their personal lives. I mean, how many marriages have we seen destroyed because of a lack of honor towards their spouse, right? Honor will help keep you from making the bad decisions 
in your life. Because if you're truly honoring the people in your life, you're not going to make the mistakes towards those people that typically people do when they lose everything. And so here in 2 John chapter 1, verse 8, it's a really interesting scripture, one we probably don't like to read. It says, watch out that you do not lose what we've worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. So this scripture here is telling us two things. The first thing it's telling us is that there is a possibility to lose something that you've worked hard for. How many of you guys know a few bad decisions and it could all be gone? So you can lose something that you've worked hard for, that you've stood in faith for. It's, it's possible to lose it. And then the other thing that this scripture says is says to be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Is it possible to go through this life and not receive everything that God has for you? Absolutely it is. So we got to be diligent in these things. One of the things that I feel like the Lord's really impressed upon me right now is we need to be diligent in living a life of honor because society right now does anything but honor people. I mean, what is 90% of the stuff you see on TV right now? It is dishonoring towards people from all different walks of life, right? And so we need to, as the church, be that people of influence that says we do honor people in our realms, in our homes, in our workplace, right? It is a, it is a responsibility of the church to be people of influence. And the only way we're going to be able to influence people is if we live this life of honor. Because honor is what produces our character. And if our character is not where it should be, the world, they know how we're supposed to live, don't they? They know that we're supposed to stay married and we're supposed to love people and that we're not supposed to cut people off in traffic and we're supposed to forgive everyone no matter what they've done to us. They know that that's how we're supposed to live. But if we're not living that way, if we're not honoring the people around us, why would they ever choose this life if they don't see that difference in us? And I believe this lack of honor that's happening in society right now, the church needs to stay pretty far away from it. We need to stay really far away from it. You know, I don't see one example in the Bible of Jesus ever dishonoring anybody. Anybody. Even when he was on trial. Even when he was under arrest. Even when he was headed to the cross and even on the cross. He never showed us an example when it's ever okay to dishonor. And he was tempted in all points just like we are. And we don't see that example. And he is our example. So we need to walk in this honor. Amen? John Bevere said this in his book. He says, it is possible to lose what you've won through labor. And so we just need to be diligent that we, to hold on to those things that we have, that we've labored for, labored in faith for. Hold on to them. And one of the ways we can do that is by staying in honor towards the people around us. So who, who do we honor? This is a big, big topic, and I could be a whole six-week series, and I don't have six weeks. I've got about 40 minutes. So we're going to skim through these. But, you know, I really believe that on everything that I talk about, what's so amazing about the Holy Spirit is he can take my few words, and he can make it your own series in your life. He can start showing you the things that you need to do, adjustments that need to be made. I hope you came to church today to be adjusted to be corrected, to be changed, right? That's one of the reasons we come. Yes, it's edifying and it's building each other up, but also what good is it if it doesn't change us? What good is it if we leave here today and we still treat people the way we did before we heard the word on how to honor people more? And so I believe that what I'm gonna share with you this morning, God's gonna be able to take it into your personal life, each and every one, and he's gonna be able to, to expand it into what you need for it, amen? So let's start with the first one. We need to honor God and his word. These go hand in hand. So I want to talk about real quick, what, is, what does it mean to honor? What is the definition of honor? So I have a couple words here that give a definition. The first one is valuing something or someone. Appreciation, esteem, favorable regard or respect. So when we honor someone, we value them. We respect them. We esteem them, right? We have favorable regard towards them. So what does it mean to dishonor? You know, I think a lot of times people think dishonor is when we, you know, are just outright rebellious against someone and we just show tons of disrespect. And, dis and dishonor can be that. But here's some other things that dishonor is. It could be to not show respect or value, but it also means to treat as common or ordinary, 
So now when we start talking about are we truly honoring people, are we truly honoring God or not, the question isn't, you know, am I, you know, showing them all this value and esteem? It could just be, or am I treating them as common or ordinary? The things of God is just common and ordinary. You know, it can get so easy to just get caught up in our day-to-day lives that we just kind of put God on the shelf, right? Or we just kind of put the word, our Bible reading, I'm just really busy today. And there's days we're really busy. Don't get me wrong. But we start treating the things of God as just common. You know, when we come to church, we are supposed to treat the things of God, the words of God, the music that's shared, not just as like Nikki said, everyone was starting to take my message this morning that's been up here. So praise the Lord. The Lord spoke to me this morning if it ministered to them. But, you know, through the music that's sung, through our fellowship with one another, we can't treat these things as just common and ordinary. Our time here at the church, it should be a time where we are excited. Some people aren't at church right now, you know, and we just consider this as common or ordinary. Well, then we're missing out on so much that God has for us. We need to treat these things with honor, amen? If you value anyone or anything above God, you dishonor him. You dishonor him if you value him, if value anybody else, anybody else. If you value anything else, work, anything like that, if you're valuing those things more than the things of God, then what good is it? It's so important that we value God, our time here at church, our time together. It is so important. Amen? So there's an opportunity in a, for us to not just to not just not dishonor the Lord, but we could honor him, but then it could slowly turn into a fate of honor towards him. So there's a story. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we don't have time this morning. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, how many of you guys remember the story about the prophet of Eli, or the priest Eli? You remember this priest Eli? So Eli was a priest. And you got to remember, in the Old Testament, there was only a few people who had contact with the Lord. The priest was one of them. They didn't, the, the people of the day didn't have contact with God because they weren't born again. They weren't in the dispensation that we're in today. So the priest had the ability to talk to God. And he was in a place of honor. But the Bible says that something happened. And I believe Eli, when he started out, I believe with all my heart, he honored the Lord. And he loved the Lord so much. But something happened. His sons started taking the place of honor that he should have had reserved for the Lord. And in fact, the sons started getting so wicked. Eli's sons started getting so bad. They started doing all these horrible things in the temple and with the sacrifices and with the women in in that day and all these things. And God got frustrated and said, why are you honoring your sons more than you're honoring me? Eli didn't start out that way. And so that's a warning for us to say, is anything starting to take that place of value more than God? more than the word of God. It is possible for that to happen. And so I want to encourage you guys to make sure that you're always keeping yourself in a place where you're valuing, you're honoring the Lord and his word more than anything else. Amen. James chapter one, James chapter one, verse 21 through 25. So I'm going to talk about honoring the word for a second, because I really do believe honoring the Lord and honoring his word go hand in hand. The reason for that is because He speaks to us through his word primarily, right? He's already given us a whole lot to glean from. And so we need to find what he said to us and honor what he said to us in his word. So James 1, 21 through 25, they're going to put it up on the screen. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Do you believe that? The word of God has the power to save you. Praise the Lord says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are the, you're only fooling yourselves. So see, to honor the word is not just to, to read it. It's to do what it says, right? The next scripture, it says, for if you just listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you immediately forget what you look like. How many of you have ever done that five, 10, 100 times, right? You got to look at yourself in the mirror just one more time before you head out. Why? Because you forget what you look like. So looking at the word of God can be like that. We can read our daily chapter. We could read something and then we could just let life fly by and we forget what the Lord has spoken to us through his word. 
To honor the word is to remember what it says, to remember what he said to us when we were reading the word. That's why it's so important in church to take notes. That's why it's so important in your personal time with the Lord. Have a notebook where you take notes so that you can remember those things. I was reading a book by Terry Savelle Foy, and correct me if I'm wrong, DJ, if you remember. If you don't write it down within the first seven minutes, I think it was, you're most likely to never, ever retain what was said. If something important was said to you, you know, and you're like, oh, that's a good idea, and then later you're like, what was that idea? So she really encourages to make sure that you're always writing stuff down because you could never, it could never come back ever again after that short of time. So when God speaks to you through his word and you're like, oh, that's so good, I'm gonna remember that, but you don't honor it and value it enough to write it down, there's a chance you could forget it forever. So I encourage you guys, honor God and his word by valuing it, right? Don't treat it as ordinary or common. If you do devotions with your family, which I encourage you to, don't let it become just an ordinary thing. Develop it with your kids. Tell them how excited you are. Even if, it, if in the natural, you're tired and the last thing you want to do is have devotion time with the family. Remind yourself, this is a precious thing that we have, a precious time that we have to honor God, honor his word together as a family. Like I said, when we come to church together, it's a great time to honor him by listening to what he has to say to us through his word. Amen? All right, number two, we're going to talk about honor in the home. Now, I believe that this, if there's any, any of this after God and his word, if there's anything next that you need to really focus on, it's this, because I believe anything that is going on in your home will spill to every other area of your life. What happens in the home is what's going to spill into your workplace, right, and into your relationships and all of those things. And so honor in the home is, is lacking, I believe, especially in the church. In the world, that's their thing. They don't know any better in those areas. But as a church, we should be honoring, not just spouses honoring each other, but, and not just children honoring parents, but parents also honoring their children as well. So we're going to look at some scriptures here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read out of the today's Passion Translation, because I really like some of the things that it, how it says things, because some of us have read the scripture a lot of times. Some people have misquoted this scripture, taken it out of context, so I really like how the today's Passion Translation reads. Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verse 28. So we're going to start with talking about husbands and wives here. It says, husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he's gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. So there's a lot more scriptures on how husbands and wives should treat each other. But what I want to bring out here is how it says that a marriage is to be a vivid example, a visual example of Christ in the church. And so the question is, is are our marriages being an example of Christ in the church? You know, the world knows how our marriages are supposed to be. And if they're not there yet, we're all works in progress. We're all growing. But I'm telling you, if we would start honoring each other more, or maybe I should say it this way, if we would stop dishonoring, treating each other as ordinary or as common, allowing the day-to-day -day routine of life to just let us just kind of coast in our marriages, if we would stop doing those things and we'd start valuing and esteeming each other more and respecting each other more and their, you know, their opinions and things like that, even if you disagree at times because disagreements will come in marriages, but if we would value each other more and not treat each other as ordinary or common, people are going to see that difference in our marriages. They're supposed to see what the church is supposed to be like through our marriages. That's big. You know, I, we're in our dating series right now with the youth group, and I always have really enjoyed the dating series. Um, it's a fun topic. It's an interesting topic in the days we're living in. Um, but one of the things that is tough for me as a youth pastor is when I'm talking to them about the kind of marriages that God wants them to have and that it's possible, 
And yet, what's their example of so many church marriages? You know, they're seeing a lot of, a lot of problems in marriages in the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. And I want to encourage them that it is possible to have an amazing marriage. And I tell them, the only way that's possible is if they're serving the Lord and keep their eyes fixed on him more than another person. I tell them those things. But yet, I want our youth to start seeing examples, a lot of examples, not just one here and one there. I want them to start seeing examples of marriages that are making it in the church, that are thriving, that are fulfilling their God-given purpose as a married couple, as a family, because that's how we're supposed to be. And it's this lack of honor, this dishonor that's happening. You know, that's how a lot of marriages get ruined is through dishonor towards each other. When you stop valuing and esteeming the other person because you start valuing or esteeming someone or something else like your computer screen or something like that more than your spouse, that's where the problems start happening. And so it's time for us as spouses to go out of our way. Everyone say out of our way. To honor each other. Look for areas in your life where you can honor more. Honor more. Value more. It is so important, whether it's through words, whether it's through gifts, whether it's through doing something for them, just saying how much you appreciate them. It, it, that's, that's between you and your spouse, whatever you feel like the Lord's leading you to do to show them more honor, but it's time for us to be honoring each other more. Amen? And then if you keep going here in Ephesians, you know, Ephesians was not written in chapters. It was a letter. So if you go to chapter six, but really this is a continuation of Paul talking uh, to the church here. And what's really interesting to me is if you are reading the New Testament, I encourage you to look, you know, people always want the, the supernatural and the spiritual side of things out of the word, but Paul a lot of times talks about natural things. If you look at his writings, how many times is he talking about how to just treat one another, right? How to treat your kids and your spouse and your coworkers and your employers. You know, so much of what he was dealing with was this life of honor. And I had a class um, in Bible college at Rama, and it was called the life of honor. And honestly, it wasn't the class that everyone was like, woohoo, this class is gonna be awesome. They always would get excited on like, the end times class or the class on the ministry gifts or all those things, the things that seem real spiritual. But you know what? If we have a lack of honor in the church, those things aren't going to even be able to happen. So this class, the life of honor, really was probably one of, if not the most important class that we had. And yet a lot of people treated it as just ordinary or common. And yet that class is the basis to seeing the signs and wonders. It was the basis for us being the influence to the world. You know, the greatest evangelists out there are the ones who live this word. It's not the ones who just do all the talking, it's the, it's the ones who live it, amen? amen? And so, honor in the home is super important. So when we get to chapter six here, we're gonna talk about now children and parents. So chapter six, verse one says, children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents, do what they tell you to do, and the Lord will help you. For the commandment, honor your father and your mother, was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. You will prosper and you will live a long, full life if you honor your parents. So kids, if you want to live a long and prosperous, full life, what do you need to do? You need to honor your parents. So important. But parents, we're not done here. Verse 4 says, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. You know, we, again, as a church body, need to watch out about following society in raising kids. Society is more and more to the point where they say, let us raise your kids. You're busy. You know, both parents are working. You got a lot to do. You got bills to pay. When you come home, the last thing you should have to do is counsel your kids and sit around the table and talk to them, right? That's what society's saying. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of the church world has started doing the same. Put the kids in front of the TV, right? Or put, give them the iPad or all these things. And I'm not saying there's times that that's totally fine, but there's, there's a, a calling on parents to raise their kids with loving discipline and godly counsel. Someone's gonna counsel your kids. Someone wants to counsel your kids. Someone would love nothing more than for parents to not counsel their kids so that they can counsel the kids. In fact, there's 
billion dollar industries out there that want to counsel your kids and are doing everything they can to get the heart of your children. And so here's the thing with that. Your kids are graced for the day they live in. You as parents are graced for the day you live in. However, you have to be proactive in this. And one of the ways you do it is by honoring your kids. You're not berating them. You're not constantly getting on them. Yes, there's loving discipline. But you know, there's this saying, I heard this when I was a youth, and to this day, this saying just burns in my heart. And it's rules without relationship, it breeds rebellion. Rules in the home without the relationship parents, it's gonna breed rebellion in your children. Your children will rebel if there is only rules and never love, never honor. Your kids, when they leave your home, should say, you know, my home was the number one place I felt the most loved, valued, respected, esteemed, and honored. Your kids should look back in their life and say, wow, for as tough as my parents were on me, man, they loved me. They valued my opinion. And they esteemed me. They, they appreciated me. You know, parents need to be appreciating their kids a whole lot more in this day and age. Um, and then again, what's dishonor? To just treat as common or ordinary. You know, parents, you have a job to make sure that your kids don't just feel like an ordinary just person in the house. Just everyone in the house, every single person in your house has a gift and a calling from God. And those gifts and callings need to be developed and they need to be nurtured and they need to be you know, expanded on. Parents, you gotta be talking to your kids about these things. Kids, you need to honor your parents and realize your parents have gifts and callings to help you succeed. But parents, you also gotta remember that it's your job to honor your kids so that they are raised in that godly environment so that when they are old, they will not depart from the faith, amen? Praise the Lord. All right, moving right along. Like I said, I could make this a six-week uh, series, but got to keep going. Number three is honor in the workplace. So we're actually going to stay here in Ephesians because, again, Paul just keeps on going. So we're staying here in Ephesians. We're still reading out of the today's Passion Translation. We're going to read six, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. It says, those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you are working for the master. Always do what is right and not only when others are watching so that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love as though you are serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord whether you are an employee or an employer. Now, I would say for most of us, our workplace is probably our greatest area of influence um, in the sense of non-believers. Um, some of you may have family in that, that realm, and that's totally understandable too, but for the most part, the biggest group of non-believers we would be with, I would assume, is in the workplace. So what a great place for us to show honor to people around us, to show how much we do live out this word that we preach. It's such a great opportunity. It's really, I always tell the youth that their school is their mission field. Your workplace is your mission field. It's a place where you get to go and share Christ with people every day. And I'm not talking verbally. I'm talking in your actions. This is a great place for you to be able to honor people around you and to show them that you honor the people in your lives. How you talk about your family, how you talk about politicians, how you talk about other people in leadership, your employer. What a great opportunity for us to be people of influence in the workplace. But that means we got to do what he's talking about here and we got to serve them wholeheartedly. We got to have integrity. Even if no one's looking, we do what's right. Now I had a job actually as a teenager at Old Navy and I, it's so cool when you look back. I mean, teenager working at Old Navy, who would have thought I could have so many stories for sermons when I worked at Old Navy for four years. But I feel like almost every time I'm up here, I talk about a story from Old Navy. And uh, there was this time I was working there and we were just coming home from a trip. We were driving home. And so I asked one of my coworkers to pick up my schedule and to text me when I was supposed to work the next day because I didn't have time to run to the store and grab my schedule. So he texted me, said I had to be at work at 10 a.m. the next day, which made me happy because we were pulling in late at night. So I got to sleep in a little bit. So I thought. And the next morning, I get a call from my manager at about 7.30, a little upset with me saying, where are you? And I told him, I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think I had to be there till 10. And he, I didn't have my schedule on me because my friend who worked there texted it to me. 
And so I just was like, you know what? I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to get there as fast as I can. So I get there and uh, the manager is not very happy with me. Um, and he's kind of getting on my case and he's just being a little bit rude, but um, understandably so if an employee is late, they, you know, they need to get on them. If you don't get on them, then they may be late over and over and over again. However, this was my first time being late. So I felt a little bit like, can't you go a little easy on me? But so I, of course, I also texted my coworker and was like, you told me 10. He said I was supposed to be here at seven. Well, a few hours later, uh, my coworker who had the schedule was coming into work and he brought my schedule. And sure enough, my schedule said 10 a.m. So what had happened is somehow in the scheduling, when it printed out for all the workers, it printed out 10 a.m. for me. When it printed out for the managers, it showed 7 a.m. Don't know how that happened. But that would have been a really great opportunity for me to go up to my manager and be like, mm-hmm, see? I could have slept in, but no, you called me for no reason. And I got out of bed, and I had to endure all your griping and complaining towards me this morning. I could have done that, and I would have been justified in doing that but I didn't do that. I did show it to him because I did want him to understand that I, on my end, wasn't late. And you know, he apologized for it. He totally changed his attitude. But as a teenager, how many teens nowadays would have been disrespectful to that manager had that happened? Even if in talking to other people. But you know what? I'm so thankful I was raised in a home where you respect authority. You don't talk bad about your managers. You don't, even if you're in the right. And you know, because of that, I was able to be a great witness to my coworkers, I ended up having a situation where, and I didn't tell a lot of people I was a pastor's kid. I didn't tell people, I mean, they knew I went to church and things like that, but I didn't really just talk about it all the time. Um, but there was a situation that happened and one of my managers was just, I know I've shared this before, but she was just having a kind of a rough day. I saw her crying and the Lord just, you know, when you get that little move of compassion that the Bible talks about, how Jesus was moved with compassion it happened. It's happened to me a couple of times where just someone, it just stirs on the inside of you. And, you know, I'm 16, 17 years old and I'm like, I don't know what to do for her, but I just feel like the Lord said, do something. So I'd gotten my first credit card, first, first purchase ever on a credit card in my entire life. I bought flowers to be delivered to my manager that had a little smiley face on it. Um, and so I did it <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, and so the flowers get delivered, and I don't make a big fuss of it. And I don't even remember my name being on it, but somehow it got said who, who sent them. And uh, she started, the manager started breakdown crying when she got these flowers. And I was like, Lord, what did I do? I was just trying to make her feel better. And so um, a little later, a supervisor came over to me, and she said, um, that that just really, it was just, she just said, just know you did a really good thing there. And she said, you know, I want you to know, I've seen a lot of people say they're Christians, but I've never seen someone live it quite like you. I don't remember telling her I was a Christian. Like I said, I don't remember, but it was because of honoring my managers and because of living that life of influence. Well, it turns out a week later, that manager was gone. Well, what was going on was her husband had been abusing her and she finally got out of the situation. So imagine a 16, 17-year-old girl giving a manager flowers just because of being moved with compassion. And yet, when was the last time she had ever got flowers or ever felt appreciated or valued or loved when she was in a situation like that? You see how even in the workplace, we can be that light and that example if we would just honor the people around us? It is so important that we make sure we're honoring people even in our place of work, even if they rub us the wrong way, right? We can still show honor to each other. All right, number four, I've got two more left. Number four, honoring our civil leaders. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, so turn to, and Xander, I did not give you this one. Turn to First Peter chapter two. So God is so cool how he's just always talking to us and we're always growing and we're always learning. I'm going to read a scripture out of First Peter chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. I did not see this scripture when I was making, when I was getting my notes together, but this morning, so the Lord reminded me of something. And it's funny, you would think I would be sharing this on the honor in the home, but I'm actually going to talk about it in honoring our civil leaders. So in First Peter chapter 3, which we're going to read First Peter chapter 2, but in First Peter chapter 3, it talks about wives winning over their husbands um, who are maybe unsaved. And it's interesting because it says 
that the wives are not going to win over their unsaved husbands by constantly saying, you need to get saved. You need to come to church with me. You need to do this. You need to do that. No, it says you live out your life the way you're supposed to, right? And they're going to see Jesus through you just living out your life the way you should. So I'm thinking of this example, and I really felt like the Lord said, imagine what would happen if the church would do a whole lot more living this life of honor than saying what politicians should and shouldn't be doing. But we could win over the unsaved by our life just living this out. We don't have to berate them and constantly keep telling them, well, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you should do this, and you should do this, and I think they should do this. Instead, what if we just loved them like Christ loved us? What if we prayed for them like someone prayed for us to get saved? What if we did these things instead of constantly, because I'm telling you, social media has been one of the best and worst things that has ever happened to our society. No wars will be won, right? On Instagram and on Facebook. No wars will be won. No politicians will be elected by social media, right? It's by what we do, by what we do. Not by what we say, it's by what we do, how we live our lives. Are we getting on our knees? Are we praying? Are we humbling ourselves? Are we turning from our wicked ways? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be pointing the fingers at all these people. And again, society tells us the opposite. Society says, point the fingers. Oh my goodness. I'm so ready for the commercials to be over. Has anyone been seeing the commercials? Oh my goodness, we live in a society where it's totally okay to just be nasty about people. And just to, on both sides, this isn't one-sided, this is both sides, the commercials that are, it's like in their back-to-back, you see the one that's like for this side and then the one that's for this side, and so you see all the horrible things they have to say about this person, and then the next one's all the horrible things about the other person. And it's why I think a lot of people don't like politics, right? But imagine if the church would pray for these politicians more than we talk bad about them. What changes would we see? And I felt like the Lord told me this morning that, you know, church, honestly, if I could be very honest with you, the reason so much of our country is in the state we're in is because of the church's lack of waking up sooner to some of these things. You know, if we would have been on our game, so to speak, prior to it getting bad when it was going good, if we had been more aware of these things and, you know, if we had really had been led when we were voting and not just voting a political party because that's who we're affiliated with, if we had really been doing these things, because the church is the greatest force in this country. We're the occupying force in this world. If we were really doing our job the way we're supposed to be doing, our country would not be in the state that it's in. Again, look at the scripture. If we would humble ourselves, if we would turn from our wicked ways, then he'll heal our land. So instead of pointing the finger at anyone else, really church, I think we need to be pointing the finger at us and saying, it's unfortunate that it took a situation like this to wake up the church and say, we have a bigger part to play in some of these things. And so I wanna encourage you guys to make sure that everything that you're doing and saying is out of a place of honor and respect towards everyone in a civil authority position. This includes your policemen, your firemen. It includes your councilmen, your city council. It includes your mayor. It includes your governor. It includes your governor. Everyone said? Amen. It includes your congressmen and women, your senators. It includes your president, no matter who that president may be in a couple weeks. It doesn't matter. We are to honor our civil authority. How do we do that? We esteem them. We value them. We respect them. We speak favorably of them. And you're like, I don't have anything favorable to say. Then just keep your mouth shut. If you can't speak favorably, then just keep your mouth shut. Right? But don't treat them as ordinary or common. And don't, you know, your kids are watching you right now. My youth and my youth group, your youth, they're watching you right now. 2020 did not exempt you from honoring your leaders. It didn't exempt you. You know, it's really tough as a youth pastor to teach your kids to honor you. And I'm saying you as a whole, when as a whole, a lot of the church body is not honoring their leaders. How are your youth 
going to follow that and honor you if all you're showing them is that you don't honor their principles because you don't like the way their principals at their school are handling this COVID situation. I'm not saying you got to agree. I'm not saying that you blindly follow all of the things that are being done and trying to be done right now. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that people are watching. The world's watching the church right now. But you know, we still live with the freedom where we can stand up for our rights. We are not being forced, like in some countries are being forced to not come together. They're trying in some places, they're trying, but we can push back. We still have the freedom to push back right now, and there's a godly way to do that. But to just disrespect and to dishonor our leaders because you find a scripture in the Bible to make it fit your agenda. Ooh, I'm preaching now. Okay, so. I'm just saying, so here's the thing. I don't like everything that's happening right now, but I'm gonna look at Jesus. And Jesus was brought on trial unjustly and he kept his mouth shut, all right? And Paul was thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Do you know what he did? He just preached it while he was in prison, okay? We're not in prison today. We have the ability to still spread the gospel. And so I just encourage you guys, one of the ways we spread the gospel is through our lifestyle. So let's live this life of honor towards the people around us. Don't share the memes on Facebook that's dishonoring to our, our government officials, either side. Don't do it. I don't care if you dislike someone, anyone. I don't care if you dislike them. Just don't show the dishonoring stuff. That's not appropriate. That's not for the church to be doing. Pray for your leaders, amen? I gotta read the scripture. First Peter chapter two. Praise the Lord. Everyone say, praise the Lord. First Peter 2. And can I just say something? Like I said, if there's a lot of honor going on in your home, it should spill out into this area as well. Like I said, this starts in the home. All right, First Peter 2, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 17. All right. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives... Honorable, everyone say honorable, live should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, or you could say servants. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Don't let your freedom be an excuse to talk bad about other people. Amen? Respect everyone. Everyone say respect everyone. Respect everyone. everyone. It doesn't matter whether you agree with them or not. We can still respect each other, right? And love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, and respect the king. The scriptures for 2020. The scriptures for right now in this dispensation, this age. Like I said, we have it a lot better than they had it back in those days. When Paul, and, or Peter, this is Peter, when Peter's writing this, it was a lot worse for the church back then. A whole lot worse for the church. And he's telling them that. So we got no excuse here. We got no excuse. We still have religious freedoms here. I'm not saying that someone's not got an agenda to try to squash those religious freedoms, but as of today, I'm standing up here preaching the word, right? So we got some religious freedoms. So let's make sure we're doing the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, moving right along. All right. Number five, the last one, honoring our church leaders. And this is a big one, guys. And I'm not just talking about the leadership here at this church. I'm talking about anyone who's ever had spiritual significance and spoken spiritually to you in your life. This could be ministries all over the wor world. But there are ministers who have helped you and impacted you in your spiritual walk. And it is important for us to honor those people. In my life, there's a handful of people the Lord's been dealing with me the last few months or so since I've been reading this book of some people that I need to go out of my way and honor. I'm not even sure how to contact some of these people. But you know, there's some people who've made a significant impact in my life. They're part of the reason why I'm standing up here today. Ministries like Willie George and Ken Blunt from the Gospel Bill shows. They had an impact on my life growing up. Um, I think of Kelly Copeland, who did the Super Kids Academy. Um, you know, the Copeland ministry really, they, had, they invested in kids in the 90s. Them and um, Church on the Move really invested in kids, and I'm a product of that. You know, that's, that's, that's a ministry that, I, even if that ministry of the kids part isn't as active today, there's still people who had a part of that that I should honor because they're part of the reason I'm standing up here today. There's, um, there was a ministry called Teen Mania Ministries with the Choir of the Fire, and Ron Luce was the president of that. He had a direct impact in my life. I went on missions trips under his ministry that totally changed my life. 
You know, he's someone I can reach out to and honor. You know, whether it's through a note of encouragement or a financial gift to their ministry or, or whatever, praying for them, whatever it is. But, you know, there's people who have significantly impacted me spiritually, and it's my privilege to honor them. It really is a privilege to be able to honor people. Um, I look at Rama and the Hagen ministry. Oh my goodness. I owe them everything. My dad would not be a pastor if it wasn't for Kenneth Hagen. I would not be up here if it wasn't for them. I am so thankful for that ministry. You know, there are people in your life, whether it's Keith Moore, or maybe it was Rama, or maybe it's the Copeland's ministry, or, or maybe it's someone who, who the Lord's really been sharing with you in the last few months or something like that. If, if a ministry has touched you and has really spoken to you and you've connected with them, it's a spiritual connection, think about honoring them. Because if you value what they're giving, why don't you value and give something back? Right? Whether, like I said, whether it's financial or not, but it's really important for us to do this. In fact, we're going to read three scriptures concerning these things. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, I'm going to read these three in the New Living Translation. Verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. All right, so we're supposed to obey them. We're supposed to honor them by doing what they say, just like we honor the word, right, by doing what it says. We should honor those who have that spiritual influence that the Lord's put over you. We need to honor them by obeying them, right, by realizing that they're watching out for us. The next scripture is found in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 40 through 41. This is really cool. You guys are going to like this one. It says, anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. So you're like, what? what's that about? Okay, so let me break it down. You got a pastor. If you receive that pastor, what you're really doing is receiving Jesus, because Jesus sent that pastor to you. But even more so, you're really receiving the Father who sent them. All right, because Jesus is the head of the church. But Jesus said, I don't do nothing unless the Father approves it, and he's the one who sent me anyway. So by you receiving and appreciating a pastor, you're really, it goes all the way back up to God. Isn't that cool? And then in verse 41, it says, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. So this is, again, I go back to how amazing God is because he's pretty awesome and amazing. And that is this, by you blessing and honoring and rewarding someone else, you get that same reward back. That's how cool God is. He never has said, you just need to do this and you just need to do this because I'm God and that's how it's supposed to be. No, he says, do this, do this, do this because I got this for you over here and I want you to be blessed. But for you to be blessed, I need you to do what I've asked you to do over here. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. That's why obeying God shouldn't be a problem because anytime we do it, it's not just so we're check mark, you know, you have a check mark in the box that says, I obeyed God today. I didn't sin today. No, it's because of the rewards that come from obeying him, from serving him. So we, we appreciate and we honor a prophet, a pastor, a teacher. We honor them. We get the same reward that those guys get. That's so cool to me. When you honor Keith Moore when he's here and Mark Hankins when he's here, you honor him by being attentive and listening to what they have to say and receiving from them by you honoring and giving financially to their ministries, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to receive the same reward they're gonna receive. That's so cool, that's exciting. It's so amazing that God set it up that way for us. The third verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, says, dear brothers and sisters, honor, everyone say honor. honor. Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. We are to honor them, greatly respect them, and wholeheartedly love them because of their work for us. You know, it's one of the only jobs where their, where their job, everything that they do is not for themselves. It is for other people. There are very few jobs in this world that are that way, but I'm telling you, all of those jobs that where it is about serving other people, those are jobs to be honored and respected. That's one of the reasons why we honor our civil leaders, because a lot of what they're doing is for people, 
I'm not saying there's not corruption in there, but I'm just saying there are positions out there where people are truly trying to serve people, and those positions deserve honor and respect. Amen? How we act, speak, and even think about our leaders is the way we treat the one who sent that leader to you. How we treat them, how we think about them, what we say about them, that's really how we're treating him who sent them to us. Amen? Ooh, I could go on and on and on. All right, I'm on my last page, and good for you. There's only like three sentences on this last page, so. All right, so we need to, we really need to honor all. When it comes down to it, I gave you five categories of people to honor, but when it comes right down to it, we're to honor all men. We need to honor everyone. We need to honor life, people. Can you see how in our culture and society there's trying to be a lack of honor, valuing, and esteeming the unborn? There's a problem with honor in our society and in our world, but the church, we are primed and ready to show this world the truth of Jesus. And the way to do that, I'm telling you, it's by honor. It's by showing honor, giving honor to whom it's due. Like I said, you don't have to agree with everyone. Just like you don't have to always agree with your spouse, you still gotta honor them. You're not gonna always agree with pastors and church leaders, but you still gotta honor them. Not gonna always agree with civil authority, but you still gotta honor them. And it's not just so you can check off the box and say, I did my religious duty. No, it's because we love them, we love God, and yes, there's rewards for doing these things. And really, God's work upon our lives is that bright, shining example to the world. The world is looking for people to be different. The world is looking for people to actually practice what they preach. And it's time for the church, whether it's just Faith Heights Church, it doesn't matter, but I'm telling you, the church as a whole, everyone that's represented here, your influence is so far reaching. So far reaching. I don't know where you're all from, but you all have a place of influence that I will never have. But if we would all do these things and give honor and respect to the people around us, we're going to start, that light is going to start shining brighter and brighter and brighter. In a world that's getting darker and darker, we just get brighter and brighter. Why? Because we're practicing the word. We're giving the word honor in our lives, amen, by doing what it says to do. And I've given you a few examples of that. And like I said, now it's the Holy Ghost's turn to just work in you individually and find what areas that is for your life to do that but I believe that we can all grow in these areas. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab.